Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101. As always, presented by our friends over at Scentlock. I have yet to put somebody in Scentlock gear and them not be impressed. Um, in my opinion, is the most complete uh, whitetail system uh, that one could get to hunt out of. Um, I'm excited to hear Joey's thoughts on the Scentlock. Um, but if you haven't checked it out, go check them out, guys, because they have an entire system to get you from early season all the way into late season and cover you in really any conditions that you're going to be hunting in. We are back with Joey Zapmary. Joey, how the heck are you, man? Doing good, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit tired. I don't think we slept much hanging out, but uh, overall, awesome trip, awesome experience. Looking forward to diving into it with everybody, and uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Now, it it was a great trip, and, and I told you about halfway through the trip, I said, dude, you know, I don't think there's anything that, that brings people together like sharing a deer camp except for maybe working out together. And so we got the pleasure of doing both. It was an absolute um, a blast. Um, you know, I, I left I left there um, feeling excited. I'm actually, uh, you know, Joey, I, I, I am I'm going to try to head back uh, one more time uh, for a quick day. Hunt. <laughs> so I uh, my wife said I I didn't think I was going to be able to uh, to make it back. I thought I was pretty much done. And uh, and she said, yeah, well, school gets out thursday for christmas break and i'm like wait a minute you're off for two weeks for christmas break so i'm going <laughs> sticking hunting then. um so i'm excited to try to get back there and, and try to put one on the ground but um we had a slow start walk me through uh kind of our start there in oklahoma yeah so we got there uh i want to say around like 5 five thirty in the morning uh, and then got kind of the briefing with Corey, which is pretty cool. So he was kind of showing us all the deer that were on the property, going through shoots, no shoots, uh, which was all new to me, you know, in my mind, I'm like thinking, Oh, I'm just going to put anything down. So, uh, it's kind of funny for him to, to say like, we can't shoot this deer. And, uh, you know, really fortunate to have our, our buddy, Aaron, who was in the blind of the tree stand with me. So he could tell me if it was a shoot or no shoot, because being a new deer or a deer hunter, is going to be hard for me to really, yeah. you know, be able to recognize things. Um, but yeah, so we split up two groups. Uh, you and your brother were in a box blind and then, uh, Aaron and I were in tree stands. Uh, it's first time being in a tree stand. I thought it was a really cool experience. Uh, I'm not afraid of heights or anything like that. So I wasn't worried about having to climb up, but since it was just so new to me, it was like, you know, just a, a benefit of doing this was getting to be in a tree stand. And, uh, we were, kind of just in a, in a high up 
observation style, I guess, lookout is what you would call it. Like we had a, a, just a, a view of, of a ton of land. Um, and I would say a little bit in, it started uh, pouring on us. So you guys got lucky over in the box flying because because we got pretty trashed with rain. But uh, mama didn't raise no quitter. So uh, I sat through it and took it like a champ and uh, ended up clearing up. Uh, but yeah, like you said, kind of slow morning. The weather wasn't really in our favor. Uh, it was a little bit warmer that day. Um, but, you know, overall, I'd say just just the experience was cool for me. And I was kind of looking forward to uh, what was about to happen on the second hunt. And kind of just now that we're getting a lay out of the land, so to speak, we can kind of figure out where to go from there. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I don't remember who said it, but, uh, oh, it was, it was Meat Eater. We talked quite a bit about Meat Eater this weekend. And, uh, you know, he said, sometimes it just happens too easy. Like you go into a hunt and you're like, you know, you didn't, there was no laying in your bunk at night thinking like, is this going to happen? There was no like anticipation of like, oh crap, like maybe this isn't going to work out. And, uh, and so I told, like, I was thinking in my mind, I'm like, man, I hope it's not like five minutes a buck walks in and he shoots and it's over. Um, but after night one, I was kind of like, oh crap, like, is this going to happen? Uh, because we only had two days to hunt, which to kill any deer with any bow, uh, kudos to you. Um, if you're, man, I, 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 I talked to somebody one time and they're like, well, it wasn't the one I was after. And I'm like, dude, I'm like you climbed up in a tree, you got 18 yards from an animal, a wild animal, and you shot it with a bow and arrow and you killed it quickly and humanely. Like, it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter how big it is. That is an accomplishment. Um, and then you try to do it in two days and, and then it gets pretty difficult. So after night one, where we had set morning and evening and neither of us saw any deer, I was like, crap, what's going to happen here? Um, however, there was a big cold front coming in. It went from like, you know, a low of like 54 to a low of like 28. And I was like, well, Saturday should, should pick up. And so, um, Saturday morning, you had a pretty stellar sit, like at one of those sits that you just remember forever. Tell me about it. Yeah, well, first, let's backtrack and tell listeners that we almost got destroyed by a calf in a golf cart. Oh, yeah, that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, before before we went to bed and woke up, we were on our way back home and on the the ranch. It was a cattle farm for those of you guys uh, who didn't know him. It was, it was a huge ranch. I mean, I think it was 6,000 acres, and I think we had about 3,000, right, that we were shooting on. Is that correct? 6,900 acres. Um, and I think Huntable, you know, take away where houses sit and offices sit and, you know, arenas. I think Huntable, it's like 4,000. Okay. Um, so, yeah, 6,900 acres total, about 4,000 that, that we were actually hunting. Yeah, and, and to be on that – branch for me was honestly just its own experience because you're just looking out mile after mile and seeing all the different terrain. And, uh, the cool part is, is there's just free range cows basically kind of through all the parts we were going through. But anyway, it's nighttime and it's pitch black. And as we're driving uh, back, uh, the, our guide Corey was saying how he had a basically like, you know, get a, a loose calf, uh, back in the pen or whatever. And we're kind of chuckling and we kind of say, we'll help you out. Not really thinking that he would probably think we're serious and next thing you know we see this calf kind of just wandering along uh the road there so he gets out starts trying to get it but for us sitting in the 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 cart that we were in we could hear this thing like ramming its head back and forth into different walls uh we're kind of like oh man like this is this is legit 
and then your brother Aaron goes and opens the uh, fence for it to run into, looking like a clear shot. And out of nowhere, this, this calf just veers in a totally different direction, slams into one fence, and then just comes straight at the golf cart that I'm sitting in. <laughs> that was a new one for and, me, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of... It just reminded me of like we were all the clowns at the rodeo for a second there, just didn't really know what was happening, jumping out of the way. But once again, you know, I think kind of what you were saying is what brings people together is hunting camp. Uh, and there were so many memories and stories that we had made along the way, which is really for me, um, I think that the best part of it now, icing on the cake is when if you get to put anything on the ground. Uh, but for me, you know, these are guys that I'll meet and talk to the rest of my life and stories that will tell. So I thought that was just a kind of a, a funny way to end the evening, even though we didn't, you know, kill anything. It was still, uh, we had some good memories and some good laughs before bed, but yeah. So, um, anyway, next day we woke up and I remember when we had pulled up to our spot, we were in a, a, a ground blind this time, not a tree stand. And to kind of lay out the terrain is, uh, there's basically a rock cliff and probably about a, like a 15 foot drop. And, uh, you kind of went down this drop and that's where the blind was. And we had uh, a couple different pathways to get uh, to kind of where we were at, which made it nice and easy for us to figure out where deer were probably going to be traveling. Um, but right away, I remember when I, when we got in there, Aaron and I both were like, this spot just feels like it's going to be a really good spot. Like we were, we were super stoked uh, about the terrain and kind of our position and where we were at. The weather was on our side. Uh, the light wasn't, uh, going to be an issue for us or sunlight or anything like that so uh we were we were really excited to begin with now if you follow me on social media um i did kind of a little i actually hunted uh back in november mid-november um i actually hunted the same spot um i was in a tree stand up on top of the cliff but i hunted the same spot and i actually did a little um i don't know how you well you call it a little tour of where i was hunting um, and talked about how cool this place was really nice pinch points between creeks and ledges where they, you know, kind of have to funnel through. Um, and so, uh, Corey told me later on in that afternoon, like when we we're on our way to pick you guys up, he's like, well, uh, you know where you're, you know where they're hunting. Um, they're hunting over there on the ledge. Um, and I was like, oh crap, like that, that's a good spot. Um, and so I immediately got excited. Um, and as we were texting, I hadn't. So, so Aaron, uh, Zish was sitting with, with Joey. He's a good friend of mine and uh, he's been on the show before in the Zach Farrenball episode. Um, Aaron was sitting with Joey and, and Aaron to say the nicest way, like Aaron, I hope you're listening, but, but Aaron is just like insane. Like he, <laughs> he talks 24 seven, never stops. Like he's one of those guys that like just texts you and just like, I'm bored. Tell me something. And, uh, and so Monday morning, I'm sorry, Saturday morning during the hunt, son had been up for like an hour and a half. And I'm like, this is weird. I haven't had one text from Aaron. And usually he's sending me selfies and videos and like just being an idiot. And I'm like, it must be, something must be happening over there. <laughs> and uh, and so I finally text him. I'm like, dude, are you guys alive? <laughs> and he responds back with a video of a spike buck. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like they have deer on them. And uh, how far was the buck away? I mean. 20 yards? Yeah. So, uh, it was still pretty early on and, uh, yeah, shout out to Aaron. Cause he's like, he was like, he was great to have in the blind. Him and I are pretty alike where 
we're goofballs, but then we got to be serious. We, you know, we, we get real serious. So we're kind of just having a normal conversation or, or and whispering. And out of the corner of my eye, I start to see movement and I look to the right and, uh, yeah, there was a, a spike buck, uh, about 15 or so 16 yards from us. And it was making its way down, uh, to, uh, decent food. And, um, I remember just the excitement of, of seeing something, you know, for the first time and kind of like you had said the night before you're halfway through this trip and you're just like, man, am I going to see anything? Like the reality starts to set in that maybe I won't, we're not sure. Uh, so for me to see that was a big pick me up, big morale booster. And then, uh, in my head, you know, I'm like, do I shoot this thing? Do I not shoot this thing? I don't know what to do. I don't know what's right. Like it, he's obviously young, but this may be the only thing I see. Um, so, uh, kind of talked to Aaron a little bit about it. And basically we just decided, you know, it's like probably not the most ethical thing to do. He's young. Uh, let him live his life type of deal. And that we saw something was typically a good indicator that we're going to see something more um, throughout our time sitting there. Even though it was a little bit later in the morning, we still had a, like maybe an hour or two uh, before we were probably going to call it in. So we just got to observe him. And, and to be honest with you, it was super active. Like there were uh, tons of birds. You know, we had crows, we had uh, like mice, and just like nature was just flourishing that morning, you know. And I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but like when you're sitting there and you're hearing all these noises and there's a lot of activity and, and just stuff going on, it just makes it way better uh, to be able to sit there and kind of keep on the hunt. I uh, I thought the same thing that morning. I, you know, leading up to because I didn't see a deer until like time to go. Um, but I was still hopeful because I'm like, man, coyotes are firing off this morning. Like you can hear them. Uh, they weren't doing this yesterday. They're up and, and about more this morning. Um, you know, more squirrels, more birds. And, and, you know, I don't know if it's just a mental trigger um, that, that like you tell yourself, yeah, you're going to see deer or if it's like an actual, you know, I heard one guy say that uh, we train ourselves to remember the times we've seen deer. Like we train ourselves to remember like the moments leading up to seeing deer. And that's why like you get those feelings. You're just like, man, I'm about to see deer or like, I'm about to, you know, a deer's about to come in. And it's because over your lifetime of hunting, you've been like, you've been putting these memories back of what the wind was doing, what it felt like, the, the what the pressure felt like. And, and that's why you get those moments of just like, I'm about to see and, and shoot a deer. And, um, and so all morning I kind of had that feeling. Um, and so I'm really glad it unfolded the way it did, uh, for you guys. Um, you know, I told myself going into this, I'm like, I don't care if I sting and see a deer. I just want Joey to, to experience a good hunt. And, uh, and, and which you did. Um, and I'm excited to, to get into, uh, before we do though, let me give a quick thank you to our friends over at deer crossing archery. Um, because leading into this story, um, deer crossing archery made a big difference. I, um, for a long time have been a fan of deer crossing archery arrows. And, uh, I called him and I said, Hey, I got this guy coming to hunt with me. Dude's a, a, a national champion, strong man. He's a big dude. He hits hard. Uh, I'm like, so I need an arrow. That's, that's for a big dude. Um, and, and they built me out one of the most incredible shafts ever. Um, it's on their silencer shafts, which you guys know I shoot out of my recurve and my compound. I love that shaft. Um, they put 135 grain, uh, ethic outsert system on it. Um, so with a hundred grain broadhead, um, he was running 235 out front for total arrow weight of like 643 or something. 
Um, no, I'm sorry, 683 or something. Uh, just a really heavy, hard-hitting arrow. And uh, all weekend long, we were practicing and shooting, and those arrows were sinking like six feet into my target. And uh, I'm like, dude, I feel sorry for any deer that you get a hold of. And uh, sure enough, it played out to your benefit. But uh, so what happened after the spike? Yeah, so uh, super excited uh, seeing the spike and kind of backtracking again. Like we shot arrows all day before the trip and and no joke. I mean, I could just tell these arrows were legit. You know, like I had never felt a wave an arrow like that before. And just like Dylan had said, like, I mean, these things were going further than any other arrow shot by anybody else. They were packing a punch. So I felt the same way. Like if we do shoot something, man, is it is it going to be uh, gonna knock a nice feet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I would say right after uh, that had happened, it was probably within another hour or so. Um, once again, same exact spot uh, right on the right side of my eye. I start to see movement and I look over and I see three doe standing there. And so I just tap Aaron real quick and I'm like, I'm like, there are three doe. Uh, and then there ended up actually being a fourth one, which we didn't see till a little bit later, but there was, so there's four total doe coming in, uh, the same exact pathway that we just saw the spike. And, uh, that's when he looked at me and he's like, get your bow ready. And I just knew like, this is, this is going to get ready to be go time. How far were they when you saw them the first time? Uh, probably I want to say 25 to 30 yards. They were, they were out there. Um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't too far, but uh, they were moving, you know, so they, they weren't just standing there. They, they were moving the whole way through. And, um, you know, here I am trying to be as quiet as I possibly can, which in hindsight, I probably wasn't being that quiet, but it was all part of the experience. And I was trying to just hold back my excitement. Um, but I went to go and grab my bow. And as I was trying to grab my bow, I realized it was caught on something. And I'm like, this isn't good. And I wasn't trying to make any more noise than I already had. So I kind of looked at Aaron. I was like, Aaron, dude, I, I signaled that the bow is stuck. Uh, and here was some sort of root or whatever got tangled uh, on a part of the bow. So, you know, he's trying to work it at the bottom. I'm trying to keep my eyes on, on the dough so I can see what's going on. We're kind of trying to be serious and not giggle at the same time like two five-year-old kids. Uh, and then uh, we, <laughs> we end up getting the bow free. And there are now three deer that are eating and i'm looking at one to the left and uh as i draw my bow and i'm looking through the site there's there's trees in the way right and, and i kind of was worried that these trees could become problematic um and for me it would have been a pretty tough shot to make so in my mind this all had felt like maybe 30 seconds well the whole thing ends up being about three or four minutes um and i'm looking through and then as the adrenaline starts kicking in, because I'm processing, like, I'm about to take a shot at a deer. This is the first time I've ever done this. Like, this is a real animal. This is the first kill. Uh, a lot of things are going through my brain. I, my arm just starts shaking, <laughs> like, like out of control. Like, I, I, can't, I can't hold the bow up straight. And uh, like my arm, my arm just felt silly. There's no other way to put it. Like, I just felt like I had no control, no motor control. So Aaron's like whispering. He's like, just, just let the bow down for a second. Like re, re get your composure. Uh, so I re get my composure and then I draw it again and I look at the same dough, but then he goes, look at the one on the right. And as I looked at the one on the right, it was uh, quartering away. 
And honestly, what had helped me so much is that we had talked about this the day before and we had practiced the shot uh, because this is something I never have really practiced. And I don't have um, like a decoy of a deer target. I just have a normal target that you shoot. So being able to shoot the ones that we had in your backyard the day before helped me out a lot because I ended up having to take the shot. So as I looked to the one on the right, quarter turn perfectly. Uh, its leg isn't in the way of the heart or the lungs. So I just zeroed it in. Uh, I think it was about 25 to 26 yards away. And then uh, let that arrow fly, man. Now, what, what Joey's talking about there, if you've listened to my podcast any amount of time, uh, you know that I have a, a 3D quote-unquote range in my backyard. Um, so shout out to Delta McKenzie. Um, I've got now, I think, nine targets in the backyard. Uh, as we were going out to shoot, we actually got a surprise doorbell ring, and I'm like, go out to the door, and they were unloading new targets. And I'm like, are you serious? We're about to go out and shoot. So I added a standing bear target and a black buck target. But we went out and shot, and uh, yeah, that's one thing that we went over um, was – different shot placements for, for different angles on the deer, whether it's quartering away or whether you're up in a tree stand shooting down on the deer or, or, or aiming a little bit further back because, um, you, you want to shoot for your exit uh, of your arrow. And so, uh, we had went over all those things and, uh, and we will put out videos of those kind of tips and tricks that we went over prior to, uh, leaving out for Oklahoma. Um, but no, that was, man, when I saw the deer, uh, I walked up on it. And first off, let me just say this. I had absolutely no doubt in my mind that you can make the shot. Um, if I did, I wouldn't have took you hunting. Um, and, and I say that in all sincerity, not not against you, but but for the sake of the deer. Um, you know, if I think somebody can't make an ethical shot on a deer, why am I going to take them? Just let them wound deer. Um, so I had in my mind, uh, you were able to make the shot. Uh, I'd seen you do it on 3Ds all day long out to even 60 yards was shot. Um, and so no doubt in my mind, but when I walked up on that deer, um, absolutely just a pinwheel of a shot. Um, I couldn't have, have put it on a piece of paper better. Um, just a perfect shot. And so I was incredibly impressed to see the way that you composed yourself. Um, and, and, and what you said there, you said, Aaron said to let down and, and regain your composure. Kudos to Aaron, uh, for, for having you do that. And kudos to you for being able to do that. I'm getting a phone call currently right now, uh, which I wanted to I wanted to um, mention in the podcast. Anyways, I'm getting a phone call from Chuck Adams, um, which if you don't know who Chuck Adams is, one of the absolute legends of bow hunting. Uh, Pope and Young just announced today his new world record for velvet typical Sitka blacktail. Um, so go check that out. Awesome stinking deer. Uh, phenomenal deer. Uh, go check it out on Pope and Young social media, new world record shot by Chuck Adams himself. Um, but I was incredibly impressed to see you compose yourself like that. Um, and so I want to give the listener a tip. If deer are not, um, alert, like if they don't know you're in the area, take your time. Don't rush it. Um, don't rush through your shot process. You can, you can, you can be more slow and methodical in how you do things. So kudos to you. Also, I saw this cat on video. I saw this cat like down by his knees, draw his bow to full draw and then bring it up. And I'm like, holy crap. Like that takes some sinking strength right there. Um, so I guess I need to work on that, but, um, walk me through what happened next. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let go of the bow and right away I just hear like a whack and then the, the does just displace in, in all different directions. Um, so at that point, you know, if I had let go and it was aimed or was aimed, I knew I had hit the deer, but it just happened so fast. It's hard to, hard to really tell what just yeah. went on. Cause that's that scramble and the noise. Uh, and, and right away, Aaron's like six shot. He was like six shot. And then, uh, he kept tracking the deer and he's like, there she goes, there she goes. Like she, she's stumbling, she's stumbling. He's like, Oh, she's down. She's down. Um, and, and I mean, it was probably, I think like 20 to 30 yards away from where we were in the blind, uh, when, when we did end up, uh, getting her. But right after that had happened, I just remember like the adrenaline dump of, I don't even know if I was breathing to be honest with you, because I let out so much (laughs) air like right away. Like, and I just kept, you know, being like, Whoa, like I I can't catch my breath. I can't catch my breath. This is crazy. Um, and just the excitement and like just the rush you felt. And then in in my mind, I was, I was really hoping it was an ethical shot. I was hoping that the deer didn't suffer, you know, like I, I was the last thing I wanted was any suffering or anything like that. Um, you know, but just to hear Aaron kind of reassure me, like, great shot. She's down. Like, it, it was super clean. You know, she's going to be dead, you know, very fast. Uh, made me feel really good about what I had done and, and the shot placement. And uh, so then it was just the uh, the waiting game. And then uh, we'll get to the, the kicker of the whole thing. But, yeah, that's that's kind of where we were at right there. We'll get to Aaron's, we'll get to Aaron's downfall here in a minute. Um, now... Joey, I'm 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 excited to hear you describe this. Um, because I have tried my hardest to describe to non-hunters um that feeling of of when you harvest a deer. Um and they're like, How can you can you kill innocent animals? What are you just a bloodthirsty animal and and some savage walking and I'm like, there's such an immense amount of respect. Uh, for that animal and and there is a moment of remorse and they're immediately like oh yeah well there there you go that shows you should have done it um and i'm like but it's followed by a moment of just pure excitement that i have fed my family that i have provided meat for my kids that you know all of my hard work for the year and and i described whitetail hunting to you as this year-long chess match um it's fun to go out west and it's fun to, to spot and stalk animals and try to get in on them but but whitetail hunting truly is like a year-long chess match and so there's like that moment of like victory and and i outsmarted an, an animal that that i so i'm anxious to hear if you can describe the 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 kind of emotions for a first time for somebody who have, has just harvested their big game animal for the first time like can you describe that feeling that that goes through you once you do that yeah, I think it kind of is like an emotional roller coaster in a sense where, uh, you know, I'll go into it by saying how much respect I have for animals and nature. Uh, you know, I don't want anyone to ever think that I am like some bloodthirsty killer. You know, there's a difference between being a killer and a hunter. You know, like if you're just going out there and you don't have any feelings and you're just shooting whatever and not really caring about it, you're just a stone cold killer. But when you're hunting, there's such a process to it, you know, and I've been hunting since the beginning of this season, since this is my first season. And I know some guys go maybe a whole season or years without getting anything. But for me, it's also been a couple months, you know, of trying to figure this whole thing out, 
and going out on my own and, and, you know, studying how, uh, you know, the, the animals move and what kind of conditions we need to be in. So there's really a, just a whole process that's involved with this and it can be exciting. It can be frustrating, right? When you're not getting things and you're going out there every day. Um, and then you get to the point where it's like this huge buildup, right? It's like the pinnacle in like the movie, right? The, the climax. Um, and, uh, yeah, like it's just a rush. I mean, you, you get that adrenaline, um, you get that excitement, then it is followed by that remorse or that sadness. Like, you know, like we, we have respect, like when we walk up to the animal, we're like looking at it, you know, we're taking a moment of kind of silence, you know, we, we pet it. Cause it's just like, we respect you and, you know, we're, th- we're also thankful uh, for the animal because we do get to harvest it and put food on our table for ourselves or our families, you know, whatever. So I think it's just like to equate it as like a big project at work, right. For whatever people do for their job. Um, and it's, it takes a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of energy, there's ups and downs. And then finally like submitting that project and, uh, coming out with a good success on it, or like it, it was presented in an awesome way. Like you're just like, whew, like, wow, check mark. I, I'm, I feel accomplished. I'm happy. I'm grateful. Uh, so that's kind of, I would say the, the thoughts going through for me, but yeah, I got so much respect for the sport, uh, the, and the community of hunters, uh, which I don't think a lot of people really understand, right. They just look at it from the outside and they think what you had mentioned. Um, but when you really get to know people, you understand the intentions, how humane it really is versus inhumane. And, um, yeah, I think there's just an immense appreciation for it. Yeah, I heard somebody one time say that nobody loves nobody loves deer more than the deer hunter. Nobody loves ducks more than the duck hunter. Um and and you know, people don't under and I, I really did. I had the true pleasure of um I was taking my daughter out to uh to track a, a deer I had shot with me and and I, I knew that the buck was down. I knew I could I saw it drop in the field. Um, but I still wanted to go home and get my daughter. I wanted to be a part of the process. So I drove home and I got my, my 10 year old and, uh, on the way out, like we were talking, she didn't understand limits. Like she didn't know, Oh, dad shot his buck in Kansas. He's done. He only gets one buck. And, uh, she's like, why is that? And so I started to kind of walking her through the ideology of the North American, uh, model of conservation and, uh, you know, telling her that each state, each county, um, looks at their deer population um, and how many need to be harvested for um, for population to continue on the way that it should. And uh, and she said, well, and I said, sweetheart, do you, do you understand that by killing deer, um, we're helping there be more deer? And she was like, what? Like she couldn't understand that. And I was like, well, sweetheart, if there's too many deer, there won't be enough food to hold the deer. They'll all starve and die. Um, you know, same with, we talked about elephants in Africa. Um, and how they die like this morbid horror death of starvation um, if they're not hunted and, 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 and killed. And, and so I walked her through that entire kind of process of, of we have to, as hunters, be conservation-minded, um, that we're trying to help deer populations uh, for the long haul. And, and there are deer that need to be shot. There are does that need to be shot. There are way too many bucks, and we need to kill some off. And, and, uh, and so nobody loves... Nobody loves the the animal more than the person that's hunting the animal um, because we want to see long-term sustainability for whitetails in North America. 
we want to see long-term sustainability for antelope in North America. And, and I could go on and on, but, um, so, so it's just something that I don't think the non-hunting community understands. And I think that, that anybody who harvests their first big game animal, they finally have that flood of emotion and they're like, this is what hunting is. Like, this is what I've never wrapped my mind around. Like I get the idea of, of the pursuit. I get the idea of outsmarting them, but they never, you can't understand that, that pure raw emotion of walking up on your, on an animal that you've just killed until you do it. And, uh, and so I'm incredibly excited, uh, to, I didn't, I wasn't with you on the shot, but I was with you on the recovery and I'm incredibly excited that I got to experience that with you. Um, now to Aaron's downfall, what happened next? Aaron, if you're listening, you suck. Oh, I have to take 50% because I, I, <laughs> I listen, I listen to him. I'm not going to throw him under the bus like that, but at the same time, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And listen, hindsight's 2020, right? Like it's just the way it is. But anyway, so we sit there for about an hour, an hour and a half, and we're waiting for, uh, you know, to see if anything else comes through and, and nothing had. And Aaron looks at me and he's like smiling, like giddy. And he's like, do you want to go check out your arrow? And, uh, I was like, yeah, he's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> like, he was just <laughs> excited. So, uh, we get out of the blind and we walk down. And, uh, so when I had heard the initial, uh, whack, like I remember this, this distinct whack sound, right? Like, like two pieces of wood just smacking against each other when I had fired the arrow. Well, what happened was, is the arrow went straight through the dough and into a tree. So that, that's, I think what I had heard was that loud, like just the, the hitting of the arrow into the, the base of a tree, basically. Uh, but you could see the blood through all the way through on the arrow and it had um, air bubbles, which was a good sign. I remember kind of YouTubing that and like listening to like the difference of like, if it's bright red, you know, or dark red, or if it's like greenish, et cetera. So I was like, okay, that was a good sign. And then there was just blood everywhere. So once again, and talk about those arrows that we had gotten. I mean, this arrow went straight in with a big hole and came out with it with a big hole. Um, and it did its job. So we didn't want to, uh, go find, uh, the doe just yet. Cause we wanted to wait for everybody and you guys run your way. Uh, but anyway, we we walk back to the blind and we're standing there probably about, uh, five, five to six yards from the blind. And we're having a conversation. And once again, out of the corner of my eye, I see a huge buck. And I just, I look at Aaron, I go, buck. And he looks at me kind of like, I'm joking. And then he, <laughs> he turns his head and he just gets wide eyes. Like his eyes are like a deer in headlights at me. And I look at him and I'm like, what do we do? Because I had my bow in the blind. And uh, <laughs> if you know, Aaron, this is pretty hilarious, but the so the the buck had looked at us and when the buck had looked away for a second aaron just drops on the ground <laughs> like like he, like he literally just went down and he did it in the most quiet way that i don't even know how he did it but he was just on the ground and laying behind a rock and he's looking at me and now i'm just standing there and every time the the buck would look away i would try to take a couple steps towards the blind and we were playing this like red light, green light back and forth with the buck looking at me, me trying to get in the blind. Now, mind you, I'm a six foot two, 260 pound male. And this blind zipper is probably five foot six, uh, you know, and not 
quiet at all. So every time you're going I, in and out of it, you feel like you're being burst. Like you have to like push out and like <laughs> crawl out of this blind and like yeah. pop back together. Uh, all I can think about is if anyone's ever seen the movie Ace Ventura where he's stuck in the rhino's butt and he's yeah. trying to come out of the mechanical rhino. Yeah, that, that was me. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, there's no, there's no easy way around this. Like I have to get in here somehow. Um, so uh, I get in. And of course, there's gonna be some noise. And uh, I I grab the bow, and as we look, uh, it kind of had it didn't spook him per se. Like he didn't charge off or anything like that. But it was enough of a of a noise to make him be aware uh, and curious. And then he just kind of like trotted away, like nice and slow. But it was just the wrong direction. Um, so Aaron jumps in the blind, and then he does a, a grunt call real quick to see if he can get his attention. Uh, he looks for like a second and then kind of just like, nah, and then kept going. Um, so that was, uh, that was a tough one, you know, for us, because if we just waited that, I mean, this had to have been like three minutes, three minutes tops that we went out, looked at the arrow, went back in the blind. Um, but as somebody probably said, like, that's hunting, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like that's, that's the way that it, that it went down. Um, uh, but it was really cool to to see uh how gorgeous a big buck was like i had never been that close to a big buck uh you know and i think he was probably in the two or three year mark uh i think we thought he was like an eight pointer or so but uh just a stud to see and uh it was a really cool experience overall and my adrenaline was pumping once again but you know followed by a lot of mixture of emotion and and that was kind of uh, one of the coolest parts of it was just seeing that now when you say you saw him, like, was it a hundred yards or 40 yards? Like how close was he when you first saw him? Uh, like 20 yards. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, he was, he was super close. So two lessons that, that I take away from this is don't listen, <laughs> don't listen to Aaron. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, stay as long as you can. Uh, you don't know when it'll happen. Uh, you know, I understand like there's always that cutoff. Like I always give myself that cutoff of like, okay, I need to leave it at 1030 because I got to get back and work or whatever. Um, so there's always that cutoff for like, you know, I got to take the kid to school. So I got to leave her at 11, but I want to stay in the blind as long as I possibly can, because you never know when it's going to happen. Um, and so there's lesson number one. Lesson number two is take your stinking bow with you if you're walking around. The world. <laughs> um, no, we've we've literally all been there. Uh, that that deer that I shot here in Kansas this year, I climbed out and uh, and I had one doe tag and I really wanted to kill a doe um, just to get some more meat in the freezer. And I had a doe tag and I saw the buck drop in the field and I still waited for like an hour and a half because I was like, I'm still early. I'm going to hang out and hunt. and. Uh, and I got out and started walking to go get my deer. And I had been out of the blind for like 45 seconds and boom, a doe pops out in the field. I'm like, you gotta be stink kidding me. Um, but that's how it goes. And, uh, and that's, that's how it happens. So, um, let's talk a little bit about your expectations versus reality. Um, now, now need I remind everybody listening to this? I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of not falling into the trap that you see on social media of, wow, this guy went hunting and it took him a day and a half and he shot a deer. Um, because that's not reality for a lot of people. 
you know, for a lot of people, they might go two seasons um, of grinding it out, trying to trying to kill their first deer. Um, we were at a world class outfitters, uh, Liberty Ranch Outfitters, uh, there in Pawhuska, Oklahoma. Um, but Joey's also put in the work. Like Joey's put in the time and the effort. And and uh, you know, this wasn't just a, a swing and a miss luck type of deal. We went into this with a game plan. We went into this having practiced a shot. Uh, we went into this practicing different scenarios from an elevated platform to, a, you know, shooting from your knees to shooting, sitting down. And, and we had practiced all of these things. And so, uh, but I also don't want you to just fall into the trap of, oh, why is it taking me a year? I must just suck at this. I give up. Um, because that's not reality of a lot of times, but I want to talk to Joey real quick. Um, about your expectations going into this and, uh, and kind of how it all played out. Yeah. Uh, kind of just like you had said, you know, I've been at it for several months, uh, as for my first season. So, you know, I, I had been putting in the work and, uh, you know, for my first season too, I mean, this is not to discredit that it's, it's a, it's a dough, but it's not a buck, you know? So it's like, you have to be happy with whatever you're presented with and grateful for it. And, and kind of like you had said, somebody said to you, like, that's not the one I was looking for. Well, it, it doesn't matter. Like it's still something, you know? So, uh, for me, it's been a journey and, uh, I, I won't lie. Like being at a world-class outfitter, I thought it was probably going to be easier than it was, you know, like, like we, I know we only had two days, but for me, um, you know, that after that whole first day of sitting, like I was pretty shocked. Like, I didn't see anything. So it's almost like, man, like even at a world-class outfitter, like you can still run into problems, which is probably the reality of it that uh, people don't think about. Like you still have to put in the work um, and you still have to like do your research and, and fall in love with the process of it because there could be a chance that even if you go to a world-class outfitter that you don't get a shot at, at a buck or a doe. And that's just the reality of hunting. Um, you know, there's, there's a part of it that it's, it's a gamble, uh, and you know, it's just tough, but I think at the same time, it was everything I expected, you know, where we, we did see a ton of deer and, and the one night you were out, you had saw like 30 or 40 deer you were t- telling us about at a spot that we were already at and we saw nothing, you know? So that just goes to prove the point of like, that there's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be somewhat, uh, you know, of a challenge to figure this all out. Um, but you know, I'm glad you you learned that, that lesson so quick because I, I must be a little slower, um, than some, but like you think like, Oh, I'm going to this outfit. Like I'm going to see a hundred deer. I'm going to shoot this 200 inch buck and life's going to be perfect. Um, hunting is still hunting no matter where you're at, no matter if you're, no matter if you're guided or unguided public land, private land, hunting is still hunting. And with that comes things that we can't control. I, I would have done anything to have changed it from being a high of 70 on Friday. You're talking mid December. We were hunting December 11th and it was 70 degrees. Um, there's just things that are, that are out of your control, no matter, no matter what. And that's what makes part of hunting, hunting and that chess match of, you know, I'm just not going to see any deer today. It's just not my day. And, uh, and so I'm glad you learned that, that lesson. It took me a lot longer. Like, I, you know, I just go into these things expecting to have seen deer and, and expecting to, to, to shoot deer. And, and I remember the first time I really learned that lesson, um, I was hunting with some guys, wasn't guided, wasn't an outfit. 
Um, but I was hunting with some guys, um, that, that own and operate SS archery out of Idaho. And, uh, I really went into that expecting like big things. And we saw one bear, I shot at it and I missed. And, uh, and I left that like thinking like, man, honey is still honey, no matter who you're with, no matter who's, who's guiding you, no matter what kind of land you're on, hunting is still hunting. And there's just things we can't control. So, um, kudos to you, man, for, for learning that lesson a lot quicker than I learned it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I had to tell myself something or else I was going to be really bummed out, you know? <laughs> so it's like you, you equally gotta, uh, like you said, just realize that, yeah, it's, it's hunting. You, I think, I think the difference is, and I could be wrong though, is the, like the quality of bucks that we saw pictures of. I mean, these things were like, I've never seen anything like that before. So you know, when you go to a, an outfitter, um, just like even the health condition of, of the bucks, like they were good looking, stout, muscular looking bucks where, you know, around where I live in PA, not to say there aren't some, some monsters out there, but not, not what you're seeing at a consistent base when you go to an outfitter. So for me, like, yeah. I, I think I was expecting like, and kind of, I would do want to say you probably hinted at it, like you're going to see some monsters here, but like that's that's what you're paying for, and that's why you're going there is because they are going to have those monsters, and uh, it's just a matter if you can, you can get them and you can find them. But I, I think that 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 played into my expectation of it, which which held true, and uh, just yeah, like I said, being on on an outfitter, like the gorgeousness of the uh, uh, the terrain. Uh, you know, we stayed in a really nice cabin. We had awesome service. Our guide was phenomenal. Uh, so all that just made it uh, a great experience for me. So if you could say um, biggest lessons learned from this weekend, what would they be? Don't get out of the freaking blind. <laughs> don't listen to thinking Aaron. If you have a long hippie hunting with you, don't listen to him. <laughs> yeah, he's, no, he's a character. No, uh, yeah, I think, I think that was a big one. Um, and, and once, and who's to say that that's going to be tough. Like at some point there's got to be a cutoff, you know? So it's, it's yeah. just, it's, it's a matter of, uh, you know, maybe we just stay in a little bit longer next time, you know, but at the same time, it's hard to say, cause that is just hunting. Um, we talked about this one before, but, uh, and, and I'll kind of mention it too, because you were asking, uh, what, maybe what I thought about scent lock in terms of their gear, but understanding the weather right and having some sort of layering system uh which Senlock does a phenomenal job of and and i have a bunch of their stuff now which you kind of you know helped turn me on to but you know we hunted our first day in 70 degrees and then the next day dropped to 30 some degrees like you got to have some sort of game plan because if you're sitting out there and you're either too hot or too cold that becomes a miserable hunt real quick you know, you, we talked about in our other podcasts, like you could lose focus. Uh, you know, I had an adrenaline rush. Now imagine if I was cold or if I was too hot, like maybe I, I would have whiffed on that shot. You know, I have no idea. Um, but that is where I think gear comes into play and kind of understanding the terrain, the weather, uh, and stuff like that. You know, it did pour on us and I was, I was fortunate to have good stuff on. So I wasn't miserable, you know, and it was enough to just, um, uh, you know, maybe get slightly damp, but dry really quick. And we sat there for another couple hours. So I kind of got a good run of the gamble when it came to weather and gear. I think also, um, 
one thing that this weekend definitely taught us and definitely how those two encounters with those deer were is that things happen fast in the woods. Like, you know, where I was sitting in that observation blind that you mentioned, um, yeah, you could see the deer coming from 500 yards away. Um, but even still, you know, I was watching deer over here and all of a sudden I hear a, a deer behind me at 30 yards and I'm like, oh crap, there's, you know what I mean? Uh, things happen fast in the woods. And especially when you're down into in a thick bottom like you guys were, boom, there's deer at 25 yards. You see them, it's time to shoot, you know? there. Th it's not always, oh, here comes a deer. Let's get ready. Let's, I, I mean, it's it can be just a, a, a blink of an eye and there's a deer in front of you. Um, and so when things happen fast like that, um, which they did for you both times when you saw the four does and when the buck popped out of nowhere, um, give me, give me some, what was your takeaway from things happening fast like that and how to make it happen, uh, when things do happen fast? Uh, biggest thing I'd say is just keep your composure, you know, like, um, you're instinctively going to get excited and you have to remind yourself to like, stay calm. Uh, don't make too much noise. Like that's a big one. You know, something I definitely have to work on. Like talking to Aaron, he's like, you know, being in a blind afforded us a, a little bit more of, of, uh, like noise control, but in a tree stand, like you don't have that. So just being able to just keep your composure, stay still, uh, keep your eye on the target is another big one too. I feel like where it's easy to probably not look, uh, at the target when you're trying to do stuff, but you know, you want to keep your eyes on, on the doe or, or the buck, wh whatever it is, just so you can see where it's moving. So when you're, you get your draw ready and you're going to get faster shot placement. Um, so yeah, overall, I think the biggest thing is just, I know I keep saying, but just composure. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely, just because things are happening fast in the wood doesn't mean things have to happen fast with you. Which again, I, I was stoked that Aaron told you, you know, just let down, man, gain your composure back, take a breath. Um, because sometimes we see a deer coming in quick and we think we have to be so quick and we have to like move around so quick and do things. Um, but, but just because things are going on around us quick, we can still work slow and methodically and we can think through everything that we're doing. Um, and so again, I was just, I was pumped that, that Aaron kind of walked you through that. Um, so on the end of that arrow, we had a big, heavy, hard-hitting arrow um, tipped off with the SK-2 from SICK, uh, which those of you who don't know, SICK Broadheads is owned by Bear Archery. I'm sorry. Uh, it's owned by Escalade Sports, which also owns Bear Archery. And uh, it is the finest mechanical I've ever seen. And Joey's story is a testament to that. Blew through the shoulder. Uh, the whole shoulder was just disc the, the back end, the exit shoulder was just disconnected from the doe. Um, and it stuck into a tree and I don't think Joey had a hard time following that blood trail. It's like, Oh wow, here it is. This is like a highway painted to where this deer is. Um, walking up on that doe, man, what was your first thought? Uh, I mean, it was a mixture of, uh, I was so excited and then I was sad, uh, for a second there, like, like we talked about just kind of appreciating, you know, the animal, like it was, it's laying there dead. Obviously it's just something I take lightly that I did kill something. Um, but then there was that extreme excitement of like, we've completed the task. Uh, I'm, you know, I traveled all the way out to, you know, Kansas and Oklahoma and, uh, 
you know, it kind of just came full circle, you know? So I think that was really cool. And then, uh, to be honest with you, I was super excited to, to harvest it and have, uh, have meat, you know, like nothing's going to waste on my end. So then it was just a lot of feeling of excitement and accomplishment. Uh, you know, after I had that, that moment of, uh, you know, feeling down and, and, uh, remorse for the, the animal. How was your first meal? Oh, it was phenomenal. So I did the, uh, the back straps, which, which is crazy too, how, uh, it did, they shrunk a good amount from, I remember the picture I held up, like it, it's crazy how much meat there was. And then when you cook something, how it does, uh, shrink up, but man, was it delicious. Uh, I just did, uh, some basic seasoning, salt, pepper, some garlic, uh, nothing too crazy. Put it on the grill. Um, you know, not too long and, uh, man, amazing. And the other thing that's cool is I got to share it with my family. You know? So, you know, I got to celebrate and give it, yeah, yeah, give it to my family, and I'll tell you, there's there's just something very special about eating something you put the work in for. Uh, it, it is way different than when you just go to the grocery store, and you know we're talking about uh, you know being ethical. Like they, that is not ethical compared to what we just did, um, and, and I think that's like really the way that I want to try to live my life as much as I can, and I'm just excited to continue on with it. Yeah, it's again, it's one of those things that like to a non-hunter, you cannot explain. Like I cannot explain cooking the meat that I killed, eating the meat that I killed, feeding the meat to my kids that I killed. Like you cannot explain that to somebody else. It's not just a feeling of like, oh, yeah, it's my meat I shot. Like, but when you have friends and family come over and and you say, yeah, this is that doe I shot in Oklahoma. And uh, man, did I ever get to tell you that story of how it happened? And, and 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 I mean, it's just it's something so surreal that you know I didn't go to the meat and buy this. Or, I'm sorry, I didn't go to the store and buy this meat. I went out and I froze my tail end off in the rain for it. And you know, then we took it and hung it, and we cut the meat out. We, I mean, oh, it's such an experience, man. That I wish more people could um, really truly wrap their minds around. But I am so excited that you got to experience it yeah yeah i mean it truly is an amazing experience um i wish more people give it a shot uh and try it out and just at least say that they tried it but i find or i think i'll find that most people are really going to enjoy it and the process uh you know and, and the work it just takes that that's put in to finally to finally harvest that animal uh so for me it was, it was a truly amazing experience and uh, kind of went exactly the way I wanted it to, uh, in terms of, you know, when I first started, uh, I wanted to be someone who's more self-reliant. I wanted to get out of my comfort zone. I wanted to put the work into something. Uh, and you know, I started checking all the, the boxes on that and, and here we are. So it, it was, it was just a great overall experience. And I got to meet some awesome dudes, you know, that we were hanging out with. And I think that's, just such an added benefit of the whole thing is the stories, like you had said, the camaraderie uh, just adds to to the experience. Sitting with Aaron in a ground blind for two days will get you out of your comfort zone. Um, I can tell you that <laughs> but from experience. Like that will get you out of your comfort zone. No, Aaron is a great guy, man. And uh, again, I was so thankful that he was there to be able to help you and walk you through that. Um, no, Joey, from, from the bottom of my heart, man, I'm, I'm so stoked that you got to come here. I'm so stoked that, that we got you an animal. Sure, I wish it was a giant buck, uh, but that's just not how the weekend played out. And so 
But I mean, remember, look at it this way. And I'm not trying to like downplay anything that happened. Um, I've spent now this year a seven days hunting at, at uh, Liberty Ranch, and I haven't harvested a buck yet either. Um, so, I mean, that's just, that's hunting and hunting will always be hunting. And there's things that, that we can't control. And, and there's things that, you know, we just got to roll with the punches. Um, but I am incredibly excited that you got to come here. I'm incredibly excited that you shot your first deer. And, uh, guys, if you haven't listened to the first episode where we kind of, um, taught Joey the basics and, and walked him through a couple things, make sure and head back to the last episode and listen to that. Make sure and head over to my social media. Uh, or Bear Archery's YouTube. Um, and we're going to be over the next week putting out some of the videos that me and Joey did, um, covering the tips that we covered before we left for the hunt. So if you're wondering, um, you know, where do you start with a new hunter? Um, what kind of tips do you tell somebody going, uh, you know, for the first year of hunting? Um, I walked through a lot of those things with Joey, and uh, those will be up pretty shortly on my social media or Bear Archery's YouTube. So go check them out there. Uh, before we go, I got to give a quick thank you to our friends over at NZ Campers. Um, NZ Campers is out of Colorado, and they are uh, purpose built campers uh, that are built for hunters by hunters. And they are absolutely phenomenal with some things built into them that every hunter needs boot dryers, meat storage, scent free cabinets, um, ozone cabinets, just really cool campers, um, that can haul your ATVs, UTVs, whatever, uh, to the mountain. And then you fold your bunks down really cool campers. Go check out NZ campers, E N Z Y on social media or their website. Uh, Joey, uh, where can they find you at my friend? Yeah, so you guys can find me. Uh, YouTube is Zat Strength, S Z A T, the word strength. Uh, same thing with my Instagram. And then uh, if you want all the content articles we put out related to health, fitness, strength training, it's zatstrength.net. So that's where you can find anything with me related. Go check them out, guys. Thank you for listening. You guys have a great week and a very Merry Christmas coming up. <laughs>